Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and welcome to another inspirational episode of Motivational Mondays. Today, we have the honor of hosting a remarkable individual who seamlessly blends adventure, leadership, and a passion for the outdoors. Our guest is none other than Sandy Calhoun, the seventh president of the National Outdoor Leadership School, known as Knowles, N-O-L-S. And he has a diverse background that spans from being the chief campaign officer at Colby College to climbing in Alaska and cycling over the Himalayas. So he brings a very unique perspective perspective to leadership. Welcome. Welcome, Sandy, to Motivational Mondays. Corey, what a great honor to be here. And I'm excited to uh, to uh, chat with you today. And I, I want to shout out to the everyone at the National Society for Leadership and Success, because uh, what you're talking about is so dialed in with where Knowles is. So look forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much for oh, having my me. pleasure. Yes, my pleasure. And hopefully there are some ways we can maybe do some things together as two organizations. So we'll explore that as well after we um, have our interview today. But first, I do want to just share with people, you know, you and I spoke a little bit before we began the, the recording. Uh, you are from Maryland. Uh, my family is all sort mm. of in that area, Virginia. And um, you and I seem to have this sort of similar passion where we love where we're from, but we also wanted to see more. Mm. And for you, that took you, as I mentioned, to like the Himalayas and climbing mountains. So share like maybe with us, where did your passion come from for wanting to explore more beyond Baltimore, Maryland? God, that's such a great question. Well, I, I, to be honest with you, like from a very, very early age, I had an interest in the outdoors. I was uh, just drawn to being outside and for the longest time, you know, I didn't quite know how to do it. I didn't quite have the skills that I needed to really go out and explore on my own, which is really where I felt empowered. Um, I went to a summer camp in New Hampshire, did a lot of hiking there. But, you know, ultimately, I knew that when I headed off to college, that would be big, this beginning of this journey for me. And um, the first step on that was I was able to take a course at the National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, and at the time, I, you know, I knew it was going to be, I thought it might be hard and challenging. I, I went up out in the Wind River Mountains of Wyoming. Um, and to, I have to tell you, I was a little bit of a chubby guy back in the day and uh, went out on this trip, uh, this course, and it, it was transformative in my life. Uh, it was hard. It was really hard. I was with one of the younger students on the course. Um, it was 30 days in the middle of uh, the Wind River Mountains of Wyoming. And I came back with a, a whole bunch of things that really had a giant impact on my life. I learned leadership skills. I learned uh, wilderness travel skills, and I learned to believe in my own capacity to travel in remote places. And that was the beginning of this long journey in my career and my life. Mm, that's amazing. And I, I love that you mentioned um, sort of like the, the transformation of what physically happened to you because you were out in the outdoors being active. And, you know, you hear so much today about how many of the young people, because we're so 
I say we, I still like to believe I'm one of them, but the younger yeah. generations who yeah. are tied to devices and digital, mm. the digital world are not as active as previous generations. And so there's a really interesting tie in there as well with just fitness and wellness. But I want to yeah. ask you to just elaborate a little bit so people understand. So Knowles, um, the mission or the the purpose is it so you do sort of like a training curriculums but they're outdoors in physical wilderness spaces or like what exactly is it yeah so what uh, you know we Knowles has uh, a variety of things that we do um I'll, 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 there's the, the, there's the expeditionary piece of the school which is training and leading students in remote let me start that again <laughs> What Knowles really does is take students into remote and austere environments where they can learn wilderness skills and leadership skills. We want our students to uh, come back from a Knowles course with a deep understanding and skill set to be able to travel in those remote environments. Not only how to set up a tent, but also how to read a map and compass and find your course through where there's no trails, but also to take care of themselves as they mm -hmm. go through those environments, which could be uh, cold, wet, rainy very dry. And, uh, and along with that parallel and super important, we teach leadership skills. We're super uh, focused on, on elevating the leader in everyone. And that is part and parcel of every single Knowles course. You know, ultimately our mission is to be the leading source and teacher of wilderness skills and leadership that serve people in the environment. That's our mission. And there's many, many ways that that like fits into what happens on every single course. Mm. That's interesting. I was just watching, it's a film that got a lot of buzz last year. It's called Beef. And it's very interesting. Beef. Film. Okay. Yeah. And well, there's a, yeah, it's a really interesting thought provoking film about, you know, self-control and how we interact with each other. But uh, there's a scene where these two characters end up um, in what is a really remote, like sort of desert and it's like unforgiving mm. and it's, and mm. I, and you realize you forget that they're in Los Angeles. <laughs> Quite honestly. <laughs> Because, okay, okay. Because you have that, you know, I, when I first I think about, well, why would anyone need those skills? Why would anyone need to know how to, you know, pitch a tent and know a compass? And then I realized just from this film that, you know, there are many places within our, like maybe miles from our everyday existence in certain parts of the country, New Jersey, Virginia, Maryland, where you could end up in an environment like that, just accidentally, who knows how, why, and need to right. know those skills. So they are important, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, I tend to, we, we tend to like uh, think of Knowles as a place like we are a school at the heart of what we are. We are a school and we want to train people to gain comfort so that they can travel through those environments. But, you know, along the way, as you learn leadership skills and wilderness skills, all of that has direct application to the rest of your life. Mm. And you're as we get into the conversation today, you're gonna hear how, you know, when we work with astronauts from NASA or executives from business uh, from different companies, or we take college students out, like all, everything we do at Knowles has such an incredible application to what happens in your daily life, how mm -hmm. you can be a leader in every community that you work in and how you can apply those skills of being in, challenging circumstances and learning that you can do it and then applying it in your daily life. Right, right. And so in that same, I guess in that same idea, if you can share with us some of the the key experiences, right, and lessons gained um, during your time as president of Knowles, like anything that really wow. stands out? 
I know well, you know, uh, yeah, sure. Well, you know, I like I said, I was drawn to you know uh, adventure early on in my life, and uh, you know, I went through a series of experiences that I found myself in, and I created these opportunities. So, like for example, after college, I wound up uh, working in Alaska in a cannery, and I was like drawn to this, like I'm going to live in a remote place, and 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 that kind of like reliance on myself continued to build throughout my what became sort of my my career developing so i went from alaska i actually wound up going from there to teach english in japan for two years mm. and there was a sense of independence and being in a remote culture not speaking that language was there for two years and then that all led to uh almost a year of traveling and mountaineering and biking all across asia which it, at, this is pre-internet pre-email right, right gone gone and you know wound up uh, cycling actually across the himalayas from the capital of tibet lhasa to Kathmandu, oh uh which which is about a 21 day journey hmm. um on our bicycles which it's a kind of a, that was a story unto itself so all of these experiences <laughs> of like going out and exploring the world one fed into the next one fed into the next so i wound up and Corey, if I'm getting off track, just say the word. But I wound up parlaying all of that into this experience as a uh, as a journalist. Mm. And I thought at that point in my life that I wanted to be a photographer for National Geographic and write stories. And that was going to be my thing. Uh, and all of that led me to a job working in Antarctica, where I was the editor of the Antarctic Sun, which is a glorified newsletter. But it's an incredible publication that uh, writes about science and life in Antarctica in support of the United States Antarctic Program. Mm. So each of these experiences pushing further, further, further away, going to the end of the earth, literally to kind of discover what it was that my metal, what I was made of. And each step of the way took me ever closer to uh, what it was that I wanted to be as a human being. Mm. And uh, the journalism world, I followed for a long way. After Antarctica, I wound up working at the Christian Science Monitor, a wonderful newspaper based out of Boston, um, where I did a bunch of general reporting for that newspaper. Uh, but ultimately, I wound up transferring all of that, so those skill sets, into higher ed, uh, mm. where I worked at Colby College in Waterville, Maine, for, for a number of years. And wow. I'm all all this is this pathway that led me to Knowles and uh, the opportunity to lead this incredible organization. And I think that it's the combination of all of those experiences that have allow are allowing me to be successful as a leader of Knowles right now. Wow. Sandy, you know, you were not kidding when you said to me before we started that you saw these parallels between us, you and I. Um, yes, I could tell when you talked to me about your story, <laughs> I was like, okay, this guy has done some amazingly interesting things. And you mentioned you went to Europe. I don't know where that was in your journey, but well, yeah, first time, um, France, uh, 1999, which was a very, so that's pre nine 11 for America. Right. So the, right. the first time in Europe ever, um, went to France, you know, land at Charles de Gaulle. And I see that it's just normal every day for military people to be walking around with machine guns which was startling to me. But Europe had been mm, dealing with mm. terrorism for years. So it was normal part of their culture at that point. I was just mortified. I mean, they were just, you know, 
army guys and machine guns everywhere, which is just normal. <laughs> so, and then yeah. you know, I realized how that became normal for America just in a couple of years later that we'd see that mm -hmm. same thing. But it's, mm -hmm. so it's interesting to have transitioned in my travels to seeing the world shift globally, seeing America shift. And I wouldn't have seen that and had that reference if it had not been for, at some point, wanting to see beyond America's borders and understanding mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. other people are living. But I have to say, why I started really smiling was because my first attempt at going to college at 23 was to be a photojournalist. <laughs> no way. Oh, no I, way. Yeah. And I and I had an assignment once to um to photograph DC during um uh, I think July 4th or something. Some or, or maybe no Veterans Day. And mm. it felt intrusive to shove my, you know, try to take photos of veterans with their legs and right. arms gone. And I said, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't do this. This is not me. I don't want to be intrusive uh -huh. that way to people who are right. feeling something. So I, I shifted gears. So anyway, um, this interview is about what, you, not me, but I just had but to I, share But I want to just say, I, but I, I, what I really resonate with that is, is you know, it, what you did and what we have done both is to be curious about what's beyond the borders of what your, 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 your small community may be. And by the yes. way, I'm a big believer in community. Wendell Berry is one of my favorite philosopher writers, you know, and he believes all, all things happen in small communities, but until you get outside your community and you, you explore a larger world, you don't have a lot of context about what it was like, where you came from. So mm -hmm. in order to, the, the journey away and back is the one that allows you to have perspective. And yeah. as a leader at Knowles, like I had this arc of a narrative and I started, I was a, I was like 18, I think, or 17 when I did my Knowles course. And now here I am all these decades later uh, and able to apply my life experience to this extraordinary organization. One common denominator I always point out when I speak to people like yourself who've traveled, and I mean that figuratively as well as literally, but who've traveled along this journey to get to where they are successfully, um, there is a moment where they had to have fearlessness and mm. trust themselves Despite potentially other people telling them, oh, that's not a good idea. You know, they had to tune out the voices and, and be fearless and, and go for it. When it comes to leadership, what's your thoughts on not being stifled by fear when you've not done something before? So you are literally terrified by the prospect, but you should either go for it or not. And and how do you address that when it comes to leadership? Because the stuff you're talking about relies on a lot of like overcoming some issues of potentially fear in those environments. Corey, you are just nailing it on that. I really, I would not be candid if I didn't tell you that there have been many moments in my life where I'm making choices that were very scary to me. And it's in letting go um, and allowing serendipity to take its course and to believe that the confluence of your hard work and the opportunities are out there, opportunity and preparation where they meet, mm -hmm. amazing things happen. And every single time I have found in my life where I was willing to let go and take a chance, I was rewarded. Mm. You know, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't common, uh, you know, a series of choices. It wasn't common to get out of college and wind up working in Alaska, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to go to Alaska with nothing. I had no mm -hmm. job. I had no, I just was like, I had a backpack and a fishing rod. 
Um, and I wound up, you know, you, you get it. You, if you're, you, if you're a good human and you have good values, you know, you'll find the opportunity. And I got a job in a, it was called Samurai Seafoods in Homer, Alaska. Mm. (laughs) Um, and so, but that's a small example. Um, I'll give you a really, an even bigger one. Uh, when I decided I had completed the work that I wanted to do at Colby college, which is only in the last two years, uh, I decided that I wanted to take six months of my life and not work and reflect on what it is that I wanted to do next. That Mm. felt so scary. I'd never left a job without having the next one Mm. lined up. Yeah. And then guess what happens? I have a little bit of space. I built a bridge. That was exciting. I built a bridge, but like physically you built a bridge. Yeah. 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 It felt (laughs) good. Right. I was like down there building a bridge. I was like, Oh my God, I'm building something. Like I can actually see it. But, but in the time that happened, like I was involved with the board of trustees at Knowles and there was an opportunity to support them as they went through a transition. And that exactly six months, almost to the day that I left Colby, I was named the interim president of Knowles. Mm. So, you know, It was definitely scary leaving a really good job at at Colby that I was so proud of. And and the work that we did was so amazing, but knowing, not sure what the next thing is and look Mm -hmm. here today, how it all unfolded. So I think it's worth people always stepping out of their comfort zone and, and knowing and having faith that hard work will deliver on the promise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's um, very much what all the other leaders have said that I, that I mentioned where they just basically say, if you're given an opportunity and you're scared of it, say yes and figure it out when you get oh, there. I mean, it's with, really that simple. Right? Without a doubt. I mean, you hear over and over and over again, especially in professional athletes, they're, they're, you hear this quite a bit, that you know, talent will only take you so far. It's hard work and dedication. And like I... I think anybody who knows me well would say that I've been working really hard for a really long time to kind of learn my craft and to learn how to become a better leader. I've grown through each opportunity that I've had. And when all of the forces aligned at Knowles that allowed me to have this incredible opportunity, this honor to lead Knowles, um, like I had the skill set. Now, there's a lot. I'm doing so much learning. I'm still, I love what I'm doing. I learn every day. But, um, you had to be willing to work really hard to get there. And mm-hmm. I think that's a common denominator. Whenever I see a successful leader, they make it look easy. It's that metaphor of the, the duck under the water. You're like paddling furiously, but up top, they look calm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, we can and, talk about mentors if you want. And that's, that's, that's important too, having great mentors. So. Oh, absolutely. No. In fact, um, yes, that's a really big pillar for the NSLS. So we definitely want to talk about mentorship, the the importance of both mentor and mentees. But mm. also you just tapped into something else that's a really, really big attribute that we that we promote, which is the growth mindset, right? The idea mm. that you're never finished learning. I think the most successful leaders are the ones who never say, there's nothing else for me to learn. I'm done. I know it all. I'm the smartest guy in the room. That's the kiss of death, really, for for leadership. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, I'm so fortunate at Knowles to be surrounded by an extraordinary board and advisory council and the leadership team and, and, and across the school, the directors, the senior leadership group, all of them are constantly informing me. And one of the things I just to your point, I want to I want to make a, like a fine line on, on, on a key leadership trait, which is. Um, really to get out and know your team. 
Um, and by that, at, for example, at Knowles, we have 14 campuses all around the world from Baja, Mexico, to India, to Patagonia, to Alaska. And in the last year, I've visited seven of those campuses because I want to know the people who are leading those parts of our school. And here's why. If I know them, they are more likely to tell me the bad news when it comes in because mm. leaders often get the good news. We always get the good news. And I'm like, let's make sure I would like it if you are willing, because you know me now, to share the bad news so that we mm -hmm. can solve the problem before it gets way down the track and it finally reaches me and it's right. a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. No, true. It's, it's the... Um... What is it typically called uh, setting up people for success, if you will? And your team needs to feel comfortable coming to you with the adverse information because that's how you grow. And very often I've seen people hide that information and then things oh. deteriorate. And then when they when the, the head of an organization really finds out, it's so bad that, you know, things have to happen to rectify it. That would have maybe not been as severe if you had just shared that there was a problem up front. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to like transparency and like how much you as a leader are willing to share. I've, I've taken a pretty open, um, an open format um, approach at Knowles. And mm -hmm. I, I to, to the extent that I can, I always try to give people the the, the, the the absolute clearest truth that I can so that we're all on the same page. Like there's mm -hmm. not much, there, there's not a lot of value in hiding things, the facts from people. Yeah. And would you say, even when it comes to when you have people who directly report to you, the importance of constructive feedback with how they are performing, the importance of also sharing when they're doing well versus just, here's what you've done wrong, now go fix it. You know, lead in maybe with the positive about here's what you do well, and here's where you potentially have some room for room to grow yeah, yeah yeah well i it's 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 relatively easy to compliment people you know there are lots of opportunities to compliment people and that's human nature because we want to uh, agree with each other but actually you know um i'm going to make the metaphor like i i have two 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 wonderful children um their ages 12 and 15 and and uh what they're looking for is to be told when they're kind of getting out of line and just that clarity, they're, they're mm -hmm. seeking that kind of guidance and structure. And in the same way, you know, it's hard to tell someone who reports to you sometimes that they, that they missed the mark or that was inappropriate. And if you can get to a place where you're comfortable doing that, they actually, those people are actually seeking that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a really, I think an example might be illustrative. Like I was in a, I was in a, in a meeting with a colleague and, um, you know, the conversation kind of became contentious and we had this, and, and, I, and it was uncomfortable for me. And uh, immediately after that meeting ended, I, I actually called that person. And I said, you know what, I just want to talk to you about that conversation because that is not how I want to, for the two of us to communicate publicly. Let's find a better way to do it. And the fact that I kind of did it immediately, the, the, the feedback was immediate. It wasn't mean spirited. It was kind, like it was, it was, it, it was a transformative moment, I feel like, in the partnership between my, this colleague and myself. Mm -hmm. And I think being willing to just be honest and fair is key. Yeah. That's such a great lesson, too. I'm glad you shared that because another thing that comes up in conversations here on Motivational Mondays is the 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 presence of the internet and how 
a lot of conversations happen there that are not constructive because you're in this public forum, you're being egged on by people on the side, people are chiming mm. in, we're in a very divisive time period. So, I mean, you mm. know, people, I, I heard, I, there's a, a fight going on between like 20 people once over the music of Sade. Mm. I said, how are you fighting over Sade? The woman is like a peace lily plant in real life. Right. Like, what? What is the argument over Sade? But people will argue right. and fight over anything. And I find myself yeah. roped into those things, political conversations. And uh, I was shocked recently. A woman DM'd me and she said, I want to take this offline from that mm. group because I saw, the, I saw the mob happening. I saw the mentality mm. happening. And I want you and I to resolve this DM direct, direct, so that I don't have another like Facebook enemy. And it was really profound when that happened. And I began to now do that with people. You know, he, things can get escalated quickly in the social space. So very much like you, you felt there was something contentious. Let's be the, the let's be the solution. Go in and fix it before it escalates to something else. So I think it it's life or online. It works. I I yeah, I totally agree. And you know, I this might be. I'm, I'm going to make uh use this moment to segue into something really important about mm -hmm. how Knowles operates, which yes, is yes, please. Um, one of the founding pieces of our school is what we call expedition behavior, and uh, expedition behavior is uh designed to teach wilderness and leadership skills through a value set. So when you are talking about, you know, uh, your conversation with with this person who went all offline with you, like expedition behavior, I'll give you a couple examples because like, we actually, you can go to our website and find it, expedition behavior. There's, there's a, a series of values that align behind that. So one of them is, is for example, treat everyone with dignity and respect. Another one is be kind and open-hearted. Um, th those are like, universal values. Um, and what happens with EB, we call it EB, is that uh, it's not just a value. It's actually we drive that into action. So what does, how does expedition behavior like carry out on every single Knowles course that we do? Um, basically, you're teasing out like the communication of the values as, as things happen on the course. Mm -hmm. So it's it's actually like how am I showing up right now in this in this interaction with you? Yeah. Um, how am I interacting? And then also how am I in service to the people on the course? So this is just the beginning of a dialogue. I want to see how we can like share more about expedition behavior because it's truly a a foundational piece of what we do on every single Knowles course that we take out into the field. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very similar to something that I have begun to talk to people about when I do when I do talks or whatever the situation may be, just to share some wisdom. Is I want people to think of themselves as a brand, and I always ask them, you know, what are some of your favorite brands, and they tell mm. me, you know, and oh, they tell so me what they like about me. Yeah, I just did a, I did my very first keynote. I was so excited at a university in Florida um, a couple months ago, and I used this example um, in my oh, that's talk. That's fascinating. Thank you. It was really, it was amazing. And I said, what are some of your favorite brands? And they told me, and I shared mine. I said, what do you like about them? And they told me why, how that brand makes them feel and why they yeah. continue to repeat the business and, you know, want to interact with them. And I had to make sure they understand that every day you leave the house, and interact with people, you are a brand. People are interacting with you. You are leaving an impression and deciding how people experience you versus going out in the world and think I'm going to have experiences. 
do we think enough about how are people experiencing me? And that is how I've been living wow. my life. So I love that. I love yeah, this. So I have you. to ask, I have to ask, Corey, what, what are your, tell me your two, your two of your favorite brands. Oh gosh. Well, Macy's, cause I'm a shopaholic. Um, are you really? Oh, that's I funny. Okay. It's crazy. And I'm Macy's. obsessed with bow ties, you know. That's, oh, okay. You got it. You got it. <laughs> that's one of my things. And um, I'll be enough. And on today, by the way. Oh, well, you know, thank you. I tied it myself. So that's my thing. I don't do clip-ons. I threw them all away. Yeah, no, 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 no. You gotta tie yourself. Yeah. <laughs> have to do it. Have to do it. And um, oddly enough, another brand that I love, which is sort of like not a commercial brand, but the the PBS network. Mm. Um, it taught me to dream as a child. When I didn't mm. have a family that went to theater, I discovered Barishnikov at seven years old and I said, what? What is like? How is he doing that with his body? Like the fact that a, a network brought that level of high art and culture to you know mm. a little black kid in the inner city in 1970, whatever. Like it's powerful, and to this day, it feeds me that way. So I I donate to it to to this day. PBS as a brand, um, so quite a dichotomy there. <laughs> Macy's and PBS. No, but, but but they really speak to who you are. They the things yeah. that you care about, and uh, and and I think that. You're totally right. It, it's such it's such a great tool to ask that of people because you really get an insight into their what they care about. You know, honestly, because mm -hmm. it's like both it's enjoyable for them and it's also um, it's their you can kind of see your values reflected in that place. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I want people to realize that you know they are leaving impressions. We are, you know, whether we realize it or not, we are a brand. So I you know I want them to realize like what you know what does your brand represent basically. So. <laughs> It's a, I it's got a, it. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I would share with you, Corey, that like you won't be surprised. Some of the favorite brands that I really connect with, um, I of course I love National Geographic because mm -hmm. as, as that my whole life was exposed to adventure and the, the the world beyond, and you know the stories of of Robin Lee Graham sailing around the world on his boat called Dove. Um, and then of course, you know, honestly, I I I'm an outdoor uh, gear junkie, mm -hmm. so. Um, between like the North Face, never stop exploring, <laughs> yeah. and Patagonia or mm -hmm. REI, and mm -hmm. I have to tell you what some of the things that REI is doing right now are incredible. And they are a partner of Knowles, so we're really grateful for that. Um, so those are the brands that speak to me because they speak to adventure yeah. and getting out into the world, living life, opting outside, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, you're, and that's the whole thing, you know, you're aligned with the things you're interested in. And those brands that make you feel a certain way. And with people too, you know, very often in life, we have to sort of find, I, that term is such a strange term, but it's true. You have to find your tribe, if you will, you know, the like-minded people. But that doesn't mean you close off your mind to those who don't feel like you and think like you, because the balance of how you grow is by taking both those components and that makes you more well-rounded. But you do have to sort of find your people though, right? And that's sort of a big part of life, I think. With, oh, it's it's key, you know. And I I uh, I really found I, you know here's the here's the joy for me in my life right now. At Knowles, I've found my tribe. I love these people. Mm. That what they're doing, you know. If you work at Knowles, you love our mission, and you care so much about uh, exposing as many people as we can to the outdoors. You mm. care about leadership. You care about your values and your community. It's a wonderful sort of feeling in that group. Um, you know, you made me think a little bit about my one of my favorite leadership uh, authors and speakers is Simon Sinek. I'm sure you you've read a lot of Simon and Brene Brown is another favorite. But Simon Sinek's uh, book, you know, 
the power of why is, you know, you know, he said uh, a great line and I'm just going to read it because I want to make sure I get it right. People don't buy what you do. They buy why mm. uh, you do it. Exactly. Say it again. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And so, you know, I think people come to Knowles because they, they, they do want to learn how to use a map and compass. And we teach that. But they come because they believe in what we offer, which is exposure to these extraordinary environments mm. that are remote and austere. And they know that through that experience intrinsically, they can even just tell that they're going to grow personally. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the reason why, you know, we have such incredible partnerships with places like NASA, which we mm. can talk about if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about that because I mean, what kind of access do the students get to an organization like like NASA, um, you know, uh, as part of the Knowles curriculum. So how does that, well, how do they intertwine? Yeah. It, well, actually, so maybe a better way to describe it is NASA is a, we're in a partnership with NASA. We've been in this partnership since 1999. And what we do is not at, not every single, but nearly every astronaut, uh, who's been with NASA since not all, but nearly all astronauts have taken a Knowles course mm. as part of their training. Oh, so, wow. um, and you, if you would ask many astronauts, they would say that their Knowles course was absolutely critical to their success in space. Mm. Fascinating. Right. And mm. so what we know about Knowles courses is that, uh, you know, this part of their training is stepping entirely away from like the technical aspects of space travel, of being immersed underwater and learning how to do in a weight-free environment. It's all that technical stuff. It's all about the cohesiveness of the team mm -hmm. and how the team operates and what they learn in those circumstances. I, I could, can I tell you a little story about a Knowles course. course with NASA astronauts? Yes, yes, please. Great. So, Basically, uh, imagine this. You had, and I, I won't use any any of the names, but basically, uh, our Knowles instructors were with a a uh, a, a crew of, of of astronauts on a kayak a sea kayaking trip in Alaska, and they'd reached the point in the course where they were taking control of their own destiny, and the instructors were there to make sure they were safe. But they were setting the course, the destination for the day. How many miles would they paddle? Where would they camp that night? So they 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 make a long story short, they paddled to where they were headed, um, and the instructors knew that the beach that they had planned to, to land on to camp was not going to work. Mm. But they didn't tell them. They said, "You got to. This is where you're going to learn from direct experience. They're not manufactured consequences; they're real ones." So they paddled seven miles, got to the beach, couldn't land. And at that point, everyone is exhausted. All the astronauts are tired. And so it kind of devolved at that moment, meaning the leadership fell apart. Instead of like working as a team, they kind of looked at the commander and said, you know, you should solve our problem. And it was a kind of a disaster. Mm. And they decided that they either had to go all the way back where they started or go six miles further. Eventually, they decided to go six miles further. They arrived in camp. Everyone's just exhausted. They doubled their day. Just not a great day. But the next morning when they sat down and talked and learned, how did we work as a team? Where were the failures? What happened to leadership? Mm. What could we have done better? That was like a transformative moment for that crew as they 
bonded together as a team. And by the way, the consequences in space are way different, right? You cannot mess up in space. Right. And so fast forward and uh, fast forward, they, they were in space together and they actually, this whole group uh, was, had to do like an uh, emergency spacewalk to solve some problem. And they gathered together and they said, let's remember what happened when we were sea kayaking. Let's show up as our best selves. Mm. Let's work as a team right now so that when we do this spacewalk, it's a complete success, which it mm. was. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And you're right. The Sorry, stakes the are story. so high. No, but it's, I mean, it's amazing because the stakes are so high in that moment. They really, really had to trust themselves and each other as a cohesive unit because there was no room for an error. I mean, the thought of yeah. spacewalking terrifies me. So, well, <laughs> I know. I mean, these 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 astronauts are just like the, the fact that 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 NASA will send uh, their astronauts on a Knowles almost all of them on a Knowles course is just to me is like the highest compliment you could be paid because you know these these human beings are so extraordinary. What it takes to become an astronaut. Um, you know, Leland Melvin is this extraordinary astronaut who uh, actually uh, spoke at a Knowles event for us. And, you know, when you meet Leland Melvin, you know, and talk about a person of the highest moral character and, and so articulate. And when he talks about Knowles with such passion, I think like you couldn't find a better spokesperson on the planet. Hmm. And he, he, his experience on his Knowles course was transformative for him. And we believe it's transformative for everyone who comes on a Knowles course. My goodness, we've covered so many things, but I do have a final question for you. If okay, you great. Mind. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a good balance of, uh, you know, personal and, and professional. So I'm curious, like when you're balancing your professional life, you know, with the outdoor adventures, um, family living, family exploration, et cetera, mm. you know, how do you integrate all that you're passionate about with the outdoor living and outdoor adventures um, with your family's lifestyle? Are they, are they mm. cohesive or your kids are like, no, yeah, Dad, I'm, not, I'm not hiking today. Dad. <laughs> oh, that's such a great, thank you for asking that question. So uh, thankfully for me, our family loves the outdoors. We spend a huge amount of time together in the outdoors. Um, so pretty much every weekend you'll find our family doing something that might involve being outside of the four walls of our home and they the kids the kids love it and that's a big part of who they are um we are hiking all over the white mountains of of uh new hampshire and maine in the uh in the summertime uh and my wife and i find like our greatest joy and satisfaction being outside together in fact mm. it's just the number one thing we do so we're lucky i'm very very lucky that my family and my personal interest all of that like overlaps seamlessly so i'm pretty lucky i feel yeah. very blessed about that that's wonderful. Well, that's great. You know, and of course, as you were talking, I just thought about when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was the Swiss Family Robinson. And uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember Swiss like- Swiss Family just, Robinson. Yeah. I mean, I'm dating myself clearly with that reference, but it was good. It was well, good the stuff. fact that we both know about it says something about how, we, how old we both are. Yeah. The um, wilderness family. That was some great stuff back then. So that's sort of what I pictured when you were sharing that. So, but thank you so much. Sandy, and is there anything else you want to share with our listeners or any, anyone listening about maybe the program at, at Knowles? Uh, anything to, to add? No, all I want to say is that at, at Knowles, our, our, our goal is to uh, expose people to these extraordinary and remote places. And, you know, we have an extraordinary uh, set of leaders. I wouldn't even talk about our leadership team, but or the leaders that go into the field. To be a lead Knowles instructor takes three years of training. 
Mm. These are the most well-qualified, extraordinary human beings from all over the planet. I mean, our, our instructors come from all over the world to come and lead for us. And you, I'll say this one last thing. It's an important mm. distinction. Our leaders are not guides. They're educators. Mm. They're not guiding. They're educating. And we really feel like that's a super important distinguish, uh, way to distinguish who we are. We're a school. And uh, anyway, I, Corey, I just want to say thank you for giving me the chance to speak to you and address your audience. Um, really great conversation. I enjoyed it. You put me at ease and I appreciate that. Oh, well, I'm honored, sir. Every time I hear someone share with me that they enjoyed their time here speaking with me, it's um, it's an honor to to hear that. It lets me know that I'm doing something right. So I definitely appreciate oh, that. You are very skilled at your job. You oh, are very skilled at you. your job. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sandy Calhoun, the seventh president of the National Outdoor Leadership School. It's been a pleasure to have you today on Motivational Mondays. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.